When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action Tribe, before we begin today's interview, I've got a quick announcement to make. I have begun hosting breathwork introduction sessions for those of you who are new to this practice and would like to feel for yourself or experience what it's like to do these sessions with me online. Now, these sessions are typically shorter than my usual breathwork awakening sessions that I do with our members, which can be approximately 90 minutes long. But these introduction sessions are about 45 minutes long, during which I talk to you about the why behind breathwork, the science behind breathwork. I give you some guidelines and talk about the foundations of a breathwork practice, some tips in terms of how you can get the best experience from our time together. And I give you a live demonstration of a few rounds of breathwork. Now, after the session, you will feel calm, you will feel relaxed, you will feel aligned, and your chakras will also feel balanced. Now, the workshop that I am doing tomorrow, which is on November 16th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, is just 50 cents. That's right. The investment for this workshop is just 50 cents because I wanted to make this affordable for people around the world so that we can meet on Zoom live and partake in this beautiful ancient practice with some brainwave music in the background to relax you and breathe together, heal together, and feel happy together. To save your spot for this workshop, go to my 7 forward slash breath work intro. That's my seven is a word, my seven chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. I'll see you there. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. Welcome, Action Tribe. AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. Today's episode, we're going to talk about some really powerful and interesting topics, including your intuition, extra sensory abilities, how to work with your chakras, and how to have out-of-body experiences as well, and also about your multi-dimensional nature. So if you'd like to explore these topics and more at your home or whether you're in your car, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button, especially if you're on your iPhone, because what this does is it magically puts our podcast in front of people that would never have come across our show. So if you'd like to support, if you feel the energy right now, then make sure you hit subscribe and let us begin. Um, 
Today's guest is a repeat guest, Dr. Leslie Phillips, who is the author of Intuition and Chakras, a book that helps you work with energy to safely open up your unique profile of psychic abilities. Now, she is a PhD scientist who became a psychic and is now on a mission to make the extraordinary ordinary and the supernatural natural. And her passion is to empower others to follow their guidance to this end, she founded the School of Intuition, an online psychic development school. Leslie also hosts an award-winning radio show and podcast called Unlocking Your Truth. Now, in case you didn't know, Leslie was one of my first guests, guest number 11, when I started my podcast back in 2015. So she was one of the first people that supported me. And that's why it is amazing that we are connecting today once again. So hi, Leslie, how are you doing? Hi, AJ, I'm doing really well. And I'm it's, it's fantastic to be back on your show. I'm really looking forward to it. Wonderful. Uh, so we always start our show with some inspiration. So what is that uh, quote that you have in your mind today? And how do you apply that quote in your life as well? Okay, well, you put me on the spot, but the first one that popped into my mind uh, was I'm rereading a series of books that I read probably 30 years ago. <laughs> and they're channeled books by a lady called Jane Roberts. I think she died in the 1980s, but they are um, a series of books where she's channeling an entity called Seth. Mm. And there's a lot of amazing wisdom in those channeled messages. And the reason I was really into those books was because my initial foray into my intuition was through my dreams. Mm. And so he's right. He's talking a lot about the nature of consciousness and the nature of dreaming and yeah. how we create our reality. And he had a method in that book for becoming conscious while you were in your dream so that mm. you could have a lucid dream mm. so that you could have a conscious astral traveling experience and it really worked for me at the time and it was you know you had to be aware make yourself aware that you were dreaming somehow mm. but as soon as you did that you said illusions be gone and that's the quote, illusions be gone. Mm. And what would happen is that the projected dream reality would dissolve and you would find yourself astrally projecting, you know, hovering above the bed kind of thing. Oh, here I am. So uh, that's the quote that jumped into my mind. But beyond the context that it was meant in when I read it, illusions be gone because developing your intuition is all about dissolving your illusions because we all live in a projected reality of our own making mm. and so if we are holding beliefs in us in our energy field that are not supporting us that are causing us to look at our reality in a certain way like uh, nothing ever works for me could be a belief, but that's an illusion. It's not a truth. It's only part of your reality because you're believing it. Or maybe our life experiences have taught us, um, I don't know, people don't like me. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> then we believe that mm. and it becomes hardwired into our reality. So illusions be gone for releasing all illusions that might be affecting any of us in our lives that are causing us to create a reality that doesn't serve us. Mm, interesting. So I guess that is the theme for today. Illusions be gone. Um, actually, try to think about what is that illusion that you might be living right now that you don't even know that it is an illusion. And sometimes words have power, but when you say illusions be gone, hopefully you awake to your true reality. And with that being said, uh, Leslie, talk to us about your childhood. What was your childhood like? And where did you grow up? My childhood, I grew up in two different countries, England and Australia, actually. So I was born in England, in a place that barely anyone has heard of unless you come from England. It's called the Wirral and it is the closest city is Liverpool and everyone knows Liverpool because that's where the Beatles came from. Mm. So I lived the other side of the River Mersey to the where, where the Beatles are from. Um, <laughs> so I lived there until I was four years old and then my family moved to Australia. And mm. so I lived for about five, four or five years in Australia. In near in in New in um, New South Wales, so oh. near Brisbane, the Blue Mountains, that kind of area, and then we moved back to England. Got it. So I was an international little girl. <laughs> did you move back to the same place in England, or did you move to another yeah. place? Yeah, yeah, we did okay. the Wirral. So then I spent the rest of my childhood growing up on the Wirral is what mm. we say. And it's, it's a lovely area. It, there's a peninsula, it's a peninsula of land. So it's surrounded by water on three sides mm. and the energy there is very, very gentle. I, my parents still live there. I, they, the village they live in is 10,000 years old. Mm. They have excavated uh, evidence of people living there. 10,000 years ago. So that's mm. kind of amazing. It's an ancient place. I mean, England is anyway. Mm. And the world's surrounded on three sides by water because it's, you know, a river either side. And it, it's just such a gentle energy, a soft energy, different energy to living where I live now, which is near where you live mm. in um, British Columbia in Canada, which... That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think that there's a a higher energy vibe here or a faster energy vibe in, in some ways. Got it, got it. And so what sort of influence do your parents have on you growing up? My father was very um, focused on the intellect. Mm. It was very important to be intelligent. And he was very proud to have a clever little girl who did well at school. So there was a push to do well academically from my dad. And from my mom, to look your best. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so in some senses, there was an element of perfectionism from both parents. Mm. Um, and that 
influence is in a way what put me on track for an academic career at the first part of my life. Got it. And so you have, you know, you're being positioned for an academic career. Did you have in the midst of all of that, any spiritual or mystical experiences when you were young? I did. And I'll also just mention, even though my dad was very focused on the intellect, he also had spiritual experiences. So when he was about four, 13 or 14 years old, he was run over by a bus. Mm. And he was very close to death. So he had out of body experiences that he shared with me places he went when he yeah. was in that accident, which I was always fascinated by. And he was able to consciously um, astrally project as a kid, as a result of that accident. So that part fascinated me. Um, and so I always used to try to do that, <laughs> to be like my dad. But I would mm. guess my, my main spiritual experiences, I remember and it sounds strange, I remember doing a, a painting and I probably was around the age of 11. Mm -hmm. And there was something about this drawing I did that felt very spiritual. Mm. And I had this realization that my life purpose was connected with this delivery of spiritual information. But at that point, my programming was, well, that would mean that you would be a nun or something like that, mm. <laughs> which would mean you would have to give up uh, a lot of things that you might otherwise expect to have in your life. You would have to be celibate. You would have to have no money. You would, um, And so it frightened me. Mm. And I remember in that moment going, oh, no, I can't do that then. Right, because I had this framework of perception of what it meant to live a spiritual life that didn't quite work for me. Right, it's very interesting to note how our upbringing and our mindset and our sense of what is possible in a particular field ultimately drives our decision making when it comes to actually taking action towards that area, right? Because I remember when I was a kid, at a certain point, I wanted to be an animation specialist, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who makes 3D animation. And I used to watch these short films that uh, I used to download because we had a P2P network. So people used to upload from all over the world and you can just download stuff. And back in the day, it was kind of illegal, but nobody really cared. So we used to download these 3D films and I used to want to be it's really animator. And so mm. somewhere down the line, my parents took me to the school um, and maybe there was a counselor there. And what she told me was it's not really possible, right? The dream of being a 3D designer or a animation artist uh, is not very, very realistic because think about it. What are the chances that you'll actually get to work in Hollywood? And I think somewhere down the line that instilled a sense of limitation for me because yeah. of which I pursued something else, right? So it sounds similar that you had this vision of what a spiritual person would be or not be. Uh, but then at that time, what did you want to become then? What was your alternate route? I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer mm. or an airline pilot. And the funny thing is, when I finally had a career, 
my career was in the pharmaceutical industry, first as a scientist discovering medicines and then as a business developer. As a business developer, I was negotiating contracts and I was flying all over the world to do it. So I ended up with those three threads woven together mm -hmm. in the initial career I had. I kind of got all of them, uh, you know, negotiating deals, flying around the world and, you know, being focused on healthcare and medicine. So what made you become a environmental microbiologist or made you go there? Of everything that I studied in school, I loved biology. Mm. I love, and really when I think about it now, I loved life, mm. yeah. <laughs> life, you know, <laughs> and, um, just the aliveness of everything on this planet in this world. From when I was a small girl, I remember when I lived in Australia, they, they taught us botany, they called it botany. And I loved learning about all the different animals. And mm -hmm. then later on back in England, biology was my favorite. And so I, I just loved biology. And I also, when I was in my teens, got a summer job doing microbiology in a meat factory. <laughs> So before I even went to university, I knew all the microbiological techniques. Oh. And, and so it just was this natural flow. And then my first degree was applied biology, but I specialized in microbiology. Okay. And I, it was a, a degree where they put you on a placement in industry. And originally I hadn't meant to do a PhD. But when I was on that placement, and I was, I guess I was quite ambitious. Mm -hmm. They said, well, to get anywhere these days in the pharmaceutical industry or the agrochemical or any of these industries, you need a PhD. So I said, oh, okay, well, I better go and do a PhD then. <laughs> right. So it happened that way. And then when you've got the PhD, there's a natural, um, you know, you're going to get a job in what your PhD is in. So my mm. PhD was in drugs from bugs. That's a, <laughs> a layman's way of saying it, <laughs> you know, to, that many of the antibiotics that we use mm. in medicine are derived from microorganisms. The very first antibiotic, it, penicillin, was from a fungus discovered by Alexander Fleming. Mm. I was an expert in discovering novel antibiotics from soil bacteria. So I used to travel to biodiverse places on the planet to, ice, to take um, samples that I could then in the laboratory grow bugs and test to see if they made drugs. <laughs> right. Well, I think that is one of the most popular subjects and topics these days, right? I mean, obviously you have the pharma industry, but a lot of research being done about the universe inside of us, about the flora in our gut, Yes. And all the different diversity of bacteria, a lot of them more numerous than the number of human cells yes. and doing stuff 
from helping you digest food, helping you improve your mood, helping you process mental faculty, like so many different functions that we don't even know about. And then there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. But in an attempt to kill the bad bacteria, sometimes we kill the good bacteria yeah. as well. So yeah. my thought is like, what was happening in your life at that point, you were doing this job. Talk to us about your sense of purpose and your sense of fulfillment. I will, but I'll also just comment, if I'd continued to be a scientist, that's exactly the field that I'd want to be involved in. Really? I, but what you were just talking about, the human yeah. microbiome, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Mm. So if I'd been on another track, that I think that that's where I would, you know, and stayed a scientist, that's what it's, I'd love to do. It's so exciting. Doing. It's mm. very exciting of a topic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the one meal a day diet today, by the way, so... <laughs> These days. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Okay, so the question was, when I was doing that job, where was my mindset? I think that was the question, was it? <laughs> yeah, where, where was your, what was your life like in terms of your purpose and your sense of alignment with, you know, the stuff that you're here to do on Earth? Your sense of fulfillment, I guess. Um, the more I was embedded in the normal workforce probably less and less fulfillment actually mm -hmm. <laughs> um just first off it was very high stress environment and i would say when i was doing business development extremely high stress because you are you're doing deals that are multi-million dollar deals. Mm. So there's a lot of pressure on you to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Also, there's this whole smoke and mirrors game that people often do in negotiations where you are not, you know, don't tell them this, tell them this, make them think this, don't make them think that. And so I would always have my, you know, seniors, that there'd be a, a a plan of of what how you wanted them to perceive talking about mm. illusions be gone there would be a deliberate illusion <laughs> spreading <laughs> which yeah. i was very uncomfortable with and i would rather sit down across the negotiating table and say we're both here we obviously are both interested in doing this let's mm. figure out how we can do it but instead it's this game yeah and so that <laughs> sort of duplicity and hidden agendas and yeah. there's hidden agendas on the other side and it just i think my sensitivity level was um you know picking up on all of that it was just really really stressful and then tra you know traveling around the world sounds glamorous and amazing and I got to visit a lot of places, but really I was seeing the inside of hotel rooms mostly and my time zone would be changing all the time. And so you'd be, you'd leave this time zone, go to another time zone, have to get up at 6 a.m. their time, which is really 3 a.m. your time and go into, a, you know, so um, it was stressful. And there's also a high level of, what you might call office politics and competition mm. within the workplace. So all of those things for me made it stressful and uncomfortable. Right. And 
bearing in mind at the same time I was doing that work, I was developing my psychic abilities. Yeah. And so it, it just, the environment was duplicitous, I would say, you know, mm -hmm. there's this presentation on the surface of, of reality. And then there's underneath another reality. So it is, we are having that theme, aren't we? Illusions be gone. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very true. I mean, uh, from the outside, sometimes a person's life might seem amazing, but then what you are going through, or you are literally living in different time zones, you are eating foods in, from multiple seasons together, because that also affects your gut, right? And then obviously the whole uh, art of negotiation, so to speak, and I've done an MBA, so I know that there are so many different techniques and anchoring and what you say and when you say it and price points and your body language. And for the most part, these are good skills to learn. But I think when you do it again and again, it sort of takes a toll on you, especially if you're an empath, because you're sensing all the different emotions and thoughts and, yeah. and, uh, and feelings that people are projecting consciously or unconsciously. And I'm sure that that might be a crazy soup to be in. So no wonder that you were sort of... Uh, working on your own psychic abilities as well. Yeah. Uh, and talk I'll, to us about where... Sure, go ahead, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say, like, I did very well in my career. Mm. And all of those things that we're programmed to believe that we should create in our lives, you know, well-paid job, senior position, and all of that. But I, I think a common story for people is when they get all of that, they look around and they say, well, I'm still not completely happy. I'm still not completely fulfilled right. by it. Right. Yeah, it's a very important point to bring out. I mean, it's not only important to climb the ladder, but you need to ensure that that ladder is, you know, on the, on the wall that you really want to climb. Yeah. And not just climb any wall. But... What I wanted to ask you was, how did you get into the world of healing? Like, where was that seed planted? Maybe where were you and what were you doing? So I was, still living, in, I was yeah. still living in England. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say I always had an aware, awareness of energy and healing. I mean, I can, I can remember at four years old, our car breaking down and me sitting in the back of the car saying to my dad, that I was going to fix it by my intentions. <laughs> but um, I would say when I first formally came out as uh, doing healing work was my, I'm just trying to remember how old I was. I was still in England and I was fascinated by dreams, as I've mentioned. So even though I had this powerful intellect and my waking life was intellectually dominant mm. i had this parallel thing going on in my dream life i kept a dream diary i trained myself to lucid dream i trained myself to record my dreams while i was sleeping mm. and so i had all of that going on and it was fascinating to me so i joined a dream analysis group so a group of peers we used to meet once a week and we used to everyone would bring a dream and share their dream and we'd learn together about dreams mm -hmm. and those people were into this stuff <laughs> and they told me about a school in england where you could go and train to be a healer 
and you could train to be a clairvoyant. So I took some classes in that school mm. and mainly in healing, actually. For about a year, I took classes in healing. So that's where the, the journey as a healer and a psychic formally began. Although I would say that my psyche was all, already amping up for that because of the intensity of, in those dream experiences, I had premonitions of world events, premonitions of my own life, ex um, experiences of myself in past lifetimes, other people I knew in past lifetimes, spiritual guidance coming through in my dreams. So it was all bubbling up within me before I even did a, a formal step in training. By the way, if somebody's watching this right now, and if you feel in alignment with the message that is being shared, maybe you've gone through something similar as well, make sure that you hit share. It's a small button on your screen, share, but that'll ensure that we spread the message because this discussion is something that I am enjoying so much. So make sure you hit share. So uh, Leslie, why do people have a hard time remembering their dreams? Because I know that I write down my dreams. And last night I had a dream where I was in a building and I think I was running away from some people. Um, and I was uh, you know, going up the stairs and jumping from one part of the building to the other. And I saw these beautiful dogs. I'm just reading my notes, but I saw <laughs> these beautiful dogs that, uh, that were coming towards me, uh, you know, puppies. Mm -hmm. And so it was, a, it was not a nightmare. And it wasn't as if these people were coming to attack me like they were some girls, but it was very playful. Uh, and, and at the same time, I wouldn't say I was lucid. You know? I, I wouldn't say that I had, I knew that I was dreaming, that I was in a dream. Um, but my attempt is, is to be lucid, you know, whenever I can. Uh, but back to my question, how, why do you feel that people have a hard time remembering their dreams. Why do you feel it's all foggy? And I, I, I kind of remembered something, but I don't quite remember. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you are in a different framework of reality when you are dreaming. So mm. in your waking life, you are in physical reality. You are governed by the laws of physical reality, which mm. include time and space and all of these sort of things about physical matter, you know, that, um, that solid objects, <laughs> you know, I can't walk through a wall. I can't yeah. just fly from building to building like you were doing. So when, when you're dreaming, you are no longer limited by time and space. So that's the first thing. So if there's no time and there's no space, then there's unlimited experience. There's a broader platform for your experience than in physical reality. That means you couldn't contain everything that happens to you in your dream life, in your outer body experience within your physical life, because the physical life it is, it's finite in dimensions. There's a limit to how much energy and information you can even bring into the body. Whereas in the dream state, in the outer body state, it's infinite, timeless, no, no space and, and, and so on. So that's number one. Number mm. two is 
So that broad, we think that this is the reality. This is the real reality, the reality that I'm sitting in right here, right now. Right. But it's a fraction of the true reality that's available to you as the eternal multidimensional spiritual being that you are. Mm. So when you're in your dreaming state, you're more in touch with and probably closer to the real experience of who you are in that expanded state. So you are in the dream state, more in the multidimensional experience. And there are things that happen there that could not make any sense to you if you brought them into your physical body. It would just be, oh, okay. you, you couldn't put it into a linear form because okay. it's not the same framework of reality. So there's this intersection between what's going on in your dream experience and your physical experience where maybe you there's something that you're trying out in the dream experience to help you with the physical experience, solving a problem or trying out a few different reality choices that or, or needing some information that you can access from your larger being. So then in those cases, you may pull that information through your out-of-body memory into this um, physical level of your being. But you certainly don't bring all of it in, and nor are you meant to, because it, it wouldn't be relevant. Yeah, that's very interesting. And then, so would you say that a dream, because there are so many different theories on this, would you say that the dream is just us interacting with our subconscious mind and interacting with the various aspects of our subconscious mind, the animals and uh, imaginary people and the things and the multiscape that we experience? Or in dreams, are we... Um, having an out-of-body experience in a different realm? Or are we, there are three options, or are we uh, experiencing a different lifetime in a different dimension that is still taking place, but we just shift from one consciousness to the other? And I would say all of the above. And in mm -hmm. our linear human minds, we try to compartmentalize and have a s single answer in order to understand it. But yeah. I would say all of the above, that in your dream state, often it's your reality projection. You are traveling within your own inner psychological landscape. But here's the thing, you're also doing that in your waking life. It just doesn't seem like you are, but you actually are. Mm -hmm. so, so, so part of it, yeah, it's your own projections. It's your own inner psychological projections. Mm -hmm. Part of it is, so, but but if you think about that description I gave of your true la inner landscape is vast. Mm -hmm. Your true inner landscape touches past lives and future lives. Maybe it even touches lifetimes on another planet, you yeah. know, and all and everything that goes on in a non-physical form as well. So you can be visiting those pockets of experience within the wider landscape of your being like a past life. So you can be doing that as well. And I forget the third one that you said. Uh, well, what I was alluding to was mm -hmm. the concept of alternate reality, the oh. idea that we might be living um, somewhat similar lives in different dimensions based on certain actions that we took. 
So for example, if somebody takes an action to marry somebody, this is one reality. Somebody last minute decides to not marry that person, this is another reality of them in different lives with different people. Do you, do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. same person, different realities. Is yeah. that, you, you know? Absolutely. And I believe that you can also visit those alternative cells within your dreams. Mm. And, I, I, you know, I, and in actual, I mean, again, from our human perspective, we think in a linear form because we're in time and space. And there's right. this moment that leads to this moment that leads to this moment that leads to this moment. We're actually recreating ourselves every fraction of a second. <laughs> and because of our belief system we do it in a linear form that makes sense right. but really what you're talking about is and this is what happens when people jump timelines they're just jumping to an alternate version of themselves we're actually doing it all the time but we're doing it in a in a way that makes sense to us mm. right so um every possible combination of reality exists and we're traveling through those different combinations of reality. And to us, it seems like we're living a lifetime that's mm. linear. When you say jumping timelines, what do you mean by that? So let's say your life is on a particular track and you decide, I want to create something different. Mm -hmm. There are many, many different techniques out there for manifesting and doing that. Some, but, but basically, you're shifting your timeline. So you could, um, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? We were saying, I was saying, well, I was a scientist and if I'd continued being a scientist, I'd right. be studying the human microbiome. Oh, that's what you mean. You're jumping timelines. Okay. Well, well, there's another version of me, <laughs> doing yeah. that. you know, and that's an extreme mm. thing. Like, could I jump right now from this version to that version? It'd be very difficult, right? Because this, but that's kind of what I mean. But we do it all the time in little ways. Right. I, I, I kind of see what you mean there. So that every decision that you take creates an alternate timeline. It's sort of dividing yeah. and dividing, just like cells yeah. divide inside our body. And uh, that's being recorded somewhere. Uh, but you've written that you've had a direct experience with your dreams and on multiple occasions you've had stuff or you've experienced stuff that you can't quite explain or fathom. So what has been your craziest experience so far? I have crazy experiences every day. <laughs> because I spend all day um, working with people Mm. in their personal reality yeah i think i could take any typical day that i have as a spiritual teacher and somebody who's working with people on um helping them change their lives and deal with their experiences and a lot of people would go well that's way out there i mean anything from somebody coming and saying i think i've been abducted by aliens you know, and you look at that and go, oh, yes, you were. <laughs> you know, now let yeah. me help you with that. Yeah. Um, to but this is about your dream. What about is your craziest dream, dream experience that you recall? Anything that's something that pops up in your mind? Well, there are, I mean, I rather than crazy dream experience, 
it's the reason I ended up in Vancouver in Canada was because of a dream. I mm. had a dream where I was climbing a mountain mm. and there was a disembodied guide telling me every step to take on this mountain. So the dream was, I was, you know, and it was fairly lucid as in it was literally like I was climbing a mountain here. There's a sheep over there, you know, the nice grass, you know, a, a few treacherous parts where you trip or you have to climb and be a bit careful to get through. So it was this yeah. long journey to the top of the mountain. And then we got to the top of the mountain and the, there was this feeling in the dream, like the air is so clear, so crisp, mm. so fresh, so pure. Oh, it feels lovely. And then the guide said, jump. Mm. <laughs> and I was, what? <laughs> jump. So I trusted the guide to get to the top of the mountain. And so I said, okay. And I jumped from the top of this mountain. And it was like doing a parachute jump. Like I was in the air, like... And I didn't, I was like, there's danger in that jumping off the top of a mountain. But what happened was halfway down, somehow there was a parachute in the belt of my jeans and the parachute opened. And mm. then I sailed down and where I landed was I was in the middle of this bay and I was floating in the water and I was looking around at the landscape. And anyway, so that was the dream. Then somebody I knew from the job that I was in at the time in England said, there's somebody I, he'd moved to Vancouver and he knew this, he was a CEO of a company and there was another um, CEO he'd made acquaintance with who was looking for a business development person mm. and he said, I think you'd be good for this. And I went, they flew me out for an interview mm -hmm. and I stayed in Vancouver and I spent a little bit of time looking around mm -hmm. and the location that I'd landed in my dream was English Bay, English. right in the middle of English Bay, you know, looking at the exact um, landscape that you see from being in the middle of English Bay. And so I recognized it and said, okay, well, yeah. I guess I've got to go there then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, water does something for human beings um that we can't quite explain it's incredibly healing and in some way or form it reminds us of where life began because all yeah. life began in water and so every time somebody's on the beach or on the ocean they feel a sense of release and no wonder real estate rates on the beach are the highest because everyone wants to live on the beach and in you know for me my spiritual experience was uh, when i went to vancouver island in victoria and uh, we were on this bay called Esperanza Bay. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but there's a beautiful bay um, uh, on Victoria. Mm -hmm. And I went there and it as if it was as if time just uh, halted and I was able to see the water glistening. And on mm -hmm. the other side, I could see the Olympus Mountains, the snowy yeah. peaks and uh, the pebbles were just perfect because I was barefoot. But at the same time, it was not hurting me. It was just warm. And I think it was 30 minutes that I just basked in that moment. It mm -hmm. felt like eternity. And it reminded me that uh, my purpose at some point, you know, is in Victoria Island. Mm -hmm. And so I got to do some work there maybe, maybe like a retreat or maybe a healing session. But I do find 
uh, Vancouver Island, incredibly spiritual and healing. Yeah. In the water. Aren't those moments wonderful, you know, where you're just, it, you and nature and mm -hmm. stillness, no thoughts, but just that sense of oneness. Those yeah. are some of the most treasured moments, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Like you've alluded to, it's not the job, it's not the car, it's not the house. It's just the magical moments that we get to experience from time to time. It allows us to understand how big we are, how magnificent we are as um, beings of light. Yeah, you're right. And you know, there's something I wrote about in my book, mm. uh, which you've just reminded me of. And because I tell a little bit about my story in the book, mm -hmm. not a lot, but I mean, I guess just enough that people probably want to know about the, the writer. Yeah. But there was a moment in my life where I was in that busy job. Some weeks I'd be traveling for three weeks out of a month. Yeah. And I, I was at home and I sat on my front step and there was a flower and there was a bee on the flower. Mm -hmm. And I, I sat and I watched the bee and I said, I can't remember the last time I looked at a flower. Mm. I can't remember that it was it, just that bee and that flower um, was, was like a treasured moment. It kind of woke me up to realize, hang on a minute, there's more to life here. You yeah. know, this is beautiful, this bee and this flower. This is what life's about, enjoying these kinds of moments. Yeah, that's very true. Yesterday, I went uh, watching the sunrise with a friend of mine. We went to Queen Elizabeth. And you know Queen Elizabeth, right? Uh, right? Queen Elizabeth Park. But we were on there. We saw the mountain. And on the way down, she said that sometimes she spends like hours just taking photos of bees. It's so synchronous, right? <laughs> and so, and we discussed like bees are, um, the, is life, right? If you don't have bees, we don't have life. And what we do see as a bug or an insect is actually the giver of life or the promoter and supporter of life. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about all good stuff here. We talk about magical moments. We're talking about nature and serendipity. But talk to us about the purpose of having these negative, dark, traumatic experiences, what, especially when it comes to relationships or when it comes to money or health. What purpose do these have in our life? So, um, it's contrast, isn't it? So, so on earth, when we, we were talking about when you're, when you're not in the physical reality, that there is a oneness there. Mm -hmm. When you're in physical reality, there's duality, there's opposites, negative, mm -hmm. positive. Right. And so in our physical life, we're making choices. It's coming up with a result. We're either liking the result or not liking the result. That informs us on another choice we might make. And so we go through this sort of branching experience of physical reality as we experience the results of our actions and decide if we do or don't prefer them. Mm -hmm. So we learn through contrast here in the physical world. And we're, we're learning how to balance contrasts because ultimately... Um, if we go too far in one direction and, or another, we seek to redress the balance. You know, mm. oh, that's, you know, I'm in pain. I, I need to heal. Um, right. I'm exhausted. I need to sleep. I'm hungry. I need to eat. It's so, in one sense, 
in one sense, it's it's um, it's about they are giving us information that are helping us choose a preferred reality over the one we just created. Sometimes I also think about, for example, if I'm a spiritual teacher mm -hmm. and I help people heal and I've never experienced pain, right. how can I really understand and empathize? And so I think, uh, you know, it's part of the human experience and even someone who might be, I don't know, a relatively evolved, you still have that need that reference point of mm -hmm. pain to, to yeah. be able to help others. Um, what else would I say about the purpose of, of, of pain? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, you have said a lot. Yeah, I it's do a feedback, agree. feedback mechanism, really. Yeah, yeah. And, you you know, I think it's the healer's gift or burden, the way you see it, like you've alluded to. If you're a healer and you're wanting to help somebody heal, then unless you've gone through the challenges or darkness that they've gone through or something similar, then you will not be able to relate to what they are going through, but more importantly, how they want to transform their lives. Yeah. So. Thanks for sharing that with us. Sure. Um, what is your definition of ESP, extrasensory power? Because you write about that in your book, right? Yeah, I'll just show them. Here's my book. This is um, Intuition and Chakras, and <laughs> it's published by Llewellyn. It came out this year. And so ESP, yeah, extrasensory perception, psychic abilities, spiritual abilities, there's different things that we can call it, um, intuition. So what's my definition of extrasensory perception? So what I would say is that you have physical senses in your, so we've been talking about these two realms of experience that we have. So to navigate physical reality, you've got physical senses. You've got a sense mm -hmm. of touch. I can touch solid objects. 
um, I can see within a certain bandwidth of reality that gives me information about this three-dimensional physical world that I'm in. I can hear within a certain bandwidth that gives me information about my physical environment and so on. So that set of senses helps you navigate physical reality. You have a broader set of senses. You have a set of senses that inform you about non-physical reality. Mm. That is your psychic abilities, your spiritual abilities, your extrasensory perception, your intuition, whatever name you want to give it. it when you no longer have a body, you will still see, you will still hear because mm. you have as spirit, the ability to interact with your environment, right? So you're, in some ways, I think about your psychic abilities as a communication system, mm. you know, that it's how you see as spirit, it's how you hear as spirit, it's how you feel as spirit, it's how you, it's, it's different ways that you can access information and communicate so when we're in the body, we may want to communicate with our higher being. We may want to communicate with God or source energy, whatever your word for that is. And how do we do that? We do that through our extrasensory perception, through our non-physical senses. And, um, you know, you may want to communicate with your spirit guides. They are non-physical beings. So you communicate with your non-physical senses. You may want to see energy fields of a non-physical nature. You do that with your clairvoyance and so on. Does so how did you, yeah, it makes total sense, obviously. Um, and I love this topic uh, for sure. How did you stumble upon this knowledge? When was the moment you realized that as human beings, we do have these abilities and that we can develop them. Take us back to that specific moment where maybe one of your activities were activated and you couldn't quite understand what was going on. Or you could, but then you were like, wow, how much more is that out? out see, I don't, I don't think I have one specific moment, but if you okay. give me a moment, I'll see if I can locate. A, a okay. <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I feel like it's been an evolution of consciousness that is still continuing. It's a, it's a, you know, the awakening process is, I think it, you know, some people think, well, I, you know, I want to reach this pinnacle of having my psychic abilities, but it's a spiritual journey and which never, ever ends. So right. I feel like I'm continuously evolving and growing and shifting and changing and learning new things. I'll tell you, uh, uh, here's a moment that springs to mind. Before I was doing this stuff, I was interested in it. And again, when I lived in England, I went to a psychic fair. Mm -hmm. And the first time I ever did such a thing. But I think I, I've been playing around with tarot cards and things like that myself. So I went, I was interested in it. And I got a few different readings and I went to a few different talks. And this bizarre thing happened to me that three on three separate occasions in this one event somebody looked at me and said you'll be writing a book 
and you'll be quite well known for writing this book. Mm. It happened in a, a lady giving me a reading. I went to a mediumship demonstration mm. and it came through that lady and there was another one as well. And I was like, how did that happen? Mm. Those people didn't talk to each other and go, we'll choose this lady and we'll all tell her the same thing. Right. Right. It happened completely independently. And at the time, I remember like the one in the mediumship, mm. she sort of asked some, for some feedback. And I said, well, I've written a PhD thesis. Yeah. And she was like, no, that's not it. It's a, it's another book entirely. It's not your PhD thesis. And that right. was, um, Oh God, I don't know. It was a long time before I wrote my first book. Okay. You know, it was like far removed from being in that place in my reality where I actually wrote my first book. Mm. So, so, so that moment stands out. Interesting. Cause you know, in my life, it was a very clear moment where I, you know, was, had started working with the chakras and then I started using the energy ball to sort of enhance my abilities to be able to sense the subtle energy. And I think maybe a couple of months down the line, I felt sick. Um, I think I had pneumonia, so I was on bed rest, but I was still playing with the ball. And so at one point I used my fingers to project some energy onto my toe and my toe was moving independent of me moving my toe, if that makes sense. Mm. I was just doing this and I realized, wow, if this is possible, then what else is out there? Because I knew just that I just, you know, that's the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but it's fascinating that we have all these different abilities, these different yeah. sensory powers yeah. that we can, can I, actually tap. Yeah. yeah. Can I share another one? Just another one, because your yeah. one reminded me of another one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I hurt my back. And again, this was a long time ago. Right. I hurt my back and I... The doctor says you have to lie in bed for three weeks because it was back in the time before they told you to keep moving. Yeah. To, so, so, and I was in such a lot of pain. And as I was lying there in bed, there was this beautiful otherworldly music playing, mm. right? Just comforting music. And I had a sketch pad and I was sketching and yeah. I started drawing angels. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> That's the angels. That's and, okay. Yeah. And then as I got better, um, it was quite painful. It was really bad. And I, I remember one day I forced myself to walk to the um, supermarket and I, to, to get some shopping. And I couldn't carry very much either because my back was really hurting me. And when it came time to sort of turn around and walk back home, and I only lived a few blocks away, mm -hmm. I was like, I can't. I felt like I can't do this. I just can't do it. My back's going to give out. Mm. And then this music, loud, beautiful, otherworldly music was just playing at high volume in my head. And it's like, that's the angels supporting me, helping me know I'll be okay, helping me know I can make it home. Mm. So Leslie, talk to us about these Siddhis or these extrasensory abilities that are written about in, in yoga, in the Vedas. And you've written that these abilities could be stuff like being able to withstand extreme cold or heat, stopping effects of poison or fire, being able, being able to levitate, teleport. 
appear or disappear at will. So have you come across any of these stories uh, with yeah. people that are able to do this? Okay, well, I, I'll definitely answer your question. But I'll just show my book again and say that this book goes through 20 different, 22 different psychic abilities. And one of the goals in the book is to make it more, um, what's the word? Not sound so far off, right? So that you can identify within yourself your own personal experiences that and go, oh, that was my knowingness. That was my clairaudience. So I have, um, a, I can't remember. I, I, I always forget whether I've done a chapter on every psychic ability or a chat. I think it's a chapter on every chakra and then broken down by the psychic abilities that are channeled through the chakra. So I've got examples in the book, every single psychic ability I talk about of the 22 in the book, Mm -hmm. examples in my life and examples from people I've worked with. And so you've chosen the, the more far out ones in a way to ask about. So, yeah. so um, and, I, and I think about some of those really, they're the level of a spiritual master, being able to levitate, being able to show up uh, in your astral body in another country and teach a class there at the same time that you're teaching it. That's, that's Jesus. Mm. <laughs> you know? So, um, but I will try to take some of those examples and give you some, some examples. So for example, I once had a client who she was late for her appointment and she said, Dr. Leslie, I'm so sorry that I'm late, but the bus broke down mm -hmm. and then they brought another bus and that bus broke down. And in fact, this is the story of my life at the moment. Every time, and she lived in Vancouver. So we have mm -hmm. these, um, I don't know what you call them. You know, the, there's the electricity buses. Yeah. And um, every time I try to go anywhere, this is happening all the time. And we took a look at it. And what it was, was a psychic ability called telekinesis, mm. right? Which is, in some senses, the definition would be able to, to change the structure of physical matter, you know? So the spoon benders, someone who can, um, you know, I don't know, set something on fire or whatever, but she was shorting out ele 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 electrical things. And because she wasn't grounded enough to contain the energy that she was arcing off through her body. So we taught her how to ground. So to make the energy flowing through her system safer. And you've probably all met people who, well, I mean, I guess we're beyond the days when people wear watches anymore, but there used to be people would have, you know, the watch wouldn't be able to keep very good time because mm -hmm. it was something to do with their energy. So that's an example. Another example, when I was doing my spiritual training, I used to have to drive from Vancouver to Seattle mm. every other weekend. And the class would start at 10 a.m. You're supposed to be there at 9.30 a.m. So right. you can imagine what time I had to get up. And it was when I had that busy international high-flying job. So it would be hard to get up, <laughs> you know. And... Um, so, but no matter what time I left, 
even if you did the calculation in your mind and said there's absolutely not enough time for me to get there for class i always got there for class so that's an example of altering time right one of these cities is the ability to alter time you know to slow mm -hmm. it down or speed it up for example right right, so right. i believe i was doing that <laughs> yeah so i think a lot of this we are in some way or other channeling abilities that our elders and the ancient wise ones already knew how to do. And they would use these abilities to bring up civilizations. Right? So talk to us about ancient Egypt and maybe how it was connected to Atlantis and Lemuria. I know it's a big topic, but what have you learned along your journey? So, okay, well, I mean, yeah, it's a huge topic, isn't it? To talk yeah. about ancient Egypt and all of the different... Yeah. Um, okay, so... What, or when what, it comes to specifically, you know, these ESPs, extrasensory powers, or you know. <laughs> well, there were mystery schools in all of those times and places and many more, mm -hmm. you know, ancient Tibet as well. And then the mystery schools are the places where you could go and be a spiritual initiate and yeah. be taught how to meditate and be introduced to these very ancient energy techniques mm. that allow you to heal yourself, clear your energy field and activate and open your psychic abilities, which is actually what this the, the book that I've written is about. There are they're basically mystery school teachings. So there's three sections in the book. The the last section is specific energy techniques, and they are energy techniques that were taught in ancient Egypt. They're energy techniques that were taught in Lemuria. They they're ancient and but at the, you know they're timeless and now's the time to make them more available to everybody it used to be just only the few that would go into the temple and be trained in that way that would even be allowed to know this information mm -hmm. but the time is different in our world right now and everybody needs to know it yeah i think a lot of times back in the day you would have to earn the trust of your guru or your master right so you would have to go through a lot of penance or search him or her in the mountains and spend maybe months or even years and i've come across this story maybe you've written about that story in your book i'm not sure exactly but about this um i think european scientist or maybe navigator who was somewhere in the tibetan mountains in the himalayas and um he met the monks, the Tibetan monks, in this very mystical monastery. And uh, after a couple of days, they took him to another place, which was top secret. And then they started banging the drums, and they started blowing the, you know, the the, the trumpet or their version of a wind instrument. And he could see them being able to project like a large mass of rock that you know, went from the ground and was levitating yeah. all because of the sounds that they were generating. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that this is how many of these huge ancient monoliths, you know, you go back and you see these <clears throat> ancient remnants of buildings where 
you can't imagine how did they move rocks that size and how yeah. did they fit them together so completely perfectly and a lot of them are like they've sliced the rock like a slice of butter you know yeah. they're like perfect and this was done 5000 6000 years back and when there weren't these advanced tools and people estimate even if they had these tools it would still be almost impossible yeah to take them at the top of the mountain yeah but yeah it's so fascinating why do you think uh, atlantis came to an end what is your hypothesis about what happened so there were three destructions in atlantis that happened over a huge time span um, you know, we, you think about Atlantis as one thing, but the whole civilization of Atlantis lasted from over a span of way longer than our civilization has lasted. So the last destruction of Atlantis was about, I think, about 15,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there were others before that. Right. So why why and you also think about atlantis as one thing in one place but you know look at our world civilization now it's in multiple places isn't it yeah so but why did it come to an end i think one of the reasons was misuse of technology mm. misuse and abuse of the technology that they had at the time right. which backfired on them and caused them to destroy, destroy where they were living, or at least one of the places that they were living, that then resulted in the dispersion of people to different areas on the planet. And Egypt was one of the places they went. Tibet was another one of the places that they went. Some areas in Europe were another of the places that they went. And so right. then they seeded other civilizations after the destruction of Atlantis. Yeah, it kind of makes sense because if you look at some of the advanced civilizations here on Earth, you would find all these top cities with big skyscrapers and the latest technology. But tomorrow, if there was, if COVID or something along those lines would wipe out and decimate entire populations, you would expect maybe like a hundred scientists going to these uh, untouched you know, civ uh, untouched tribal areas around the world and teaching them, mm -hmm. you know, scientific techniques, education, ways of learning, so that the light of humanity does not, you know, go off. So something similar, it seemed happened in those days, where, and you have these, you know, rock paintings and stuff like that, of people that looked like wise sages, and they had something in their hand. Um, and it's there in South America, it's there in Egypt, it's there yeah. all around the world, bearded folk. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that definitely did happen. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about, you know, going from ancient civilizations, let's talk about our own energy body now. You've implied that there are ways to heal our aura. Why would someone listening to this episode right now need to heal their aura? So let's talk about the hu human journey. Mm. And this is really what I've partly what I've written about in my book is we say so you're born, you're straight from source energy, beautiful, pristine. But then people start to teach you stuff mm. about the world. 
here you are, you're in this world. This is safe, this isn't safe. This is what we believe in, this isn't what we believe in. These people are good, these people are bad. Don't do that, you know, do this. And so we start to get programmed and we, we so we build a framework of beliefs. Mm. It's like we're a computer and then we get a bunch of software stuffed into us by other people and they decide what the software is, right? Right. So, so you, so you, you you start to build this framework of beliefs and memories and experiences. Maybe you do touch the hot stove and go, ah, that really hurt, you know, or do something else that um, is a memory of a painful experience. Maybe you get bullied at school and being bullied or, or you have a very strict parent who's always scolding you and you come to believe that I'm unworthy mm. or you come to believe that it's not okay to be me and it's not okay to fully express myself because mm. other people don't like it and I get punished for it. So you start to dial down the light. You start to um, hold back from the full expression of your being and you also start to fit the square peg into the round hole because everyone says you're meant to fit into this round hole and you're like, well, I don't fit, but I'm gonna have to force myself to. So all of this happens and pretty soon you're not, this vessel, this body is meant to be, have your energy flowing through and it's your personal um, unit of creativity. Mm -hmm. And so, but pretty soon that is um, no longer pure and pristine. So people, you know, people say, well, what's my life purpose? Why am I here? I don't know what it is and all of that. So in order to, you kind of have to clean it up in order to get back to you. Yeah. The other analogy I use is a, is a, is a window. Like I always say, developing your psychic abilities is a twofold path. One path is healing yourself and one path is developing and learning how to use your abilities. Because if your window is dirty, you will not be able to see through it. You have to polish the window. You have to clean the window so you can see through it. And the window is your energy field. So if you've got all this baggage, this backlog, these painful memories, these distorted beliefs that don't support you, that's the window you're looking through. Mm -hmm. So you need to clean the window so that you have a clear view of your reality. Yeah. And if you want to help other people have a clear view of you know, their reality. If you're looking through a dirty window, you're not going to see them very well either. Mm. Does that make sense, AJ? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it seems like from what I'm learning also, a lot of us are living life through filters. It's through our own, yeah. you know, lens of how we think life is. But a lot of it is just programming, right? Especially for yeah. seven years, a lot of programming, a lot of uh, subliminal messaging also through mainstream media and Absolutely. through Disney. Disney, I, I know like, isn't it a coincidence that most of the movies in Disney, uh, the mother is, she's expired, she's died. And so the baby is born an orphan. So there's these multi-national multi, uh, corporations that are wanting to, you know, think in a certain way. And obviously the food that we eat you know, uh, sort of blocks our full expression of our ability, calcified pineal gland. So yeah. it's no wonder we need to spend a lot of our time cleansing our body, cleansing our mind, reprogramming our mind, healing our mind and letting go of what, of what no longer serves us. Yeah. So 
it, it completely makes sense. And then you need to do the work that is align yourself with your true purpose here on earth. So it's not just healing, but it's healing first, but then going beyond healing, uh, which is very interesting. Um, and I would yeah. also say that it's not just healing first, it's healing on an ongoing basis. Ongoing never basis. stop healing, never stop growing, you know? Right. Like there's a thing in my book, which is do your daily energy hygiene, you know, mm -hmm. clean your teeth, have a shower and do your daily energy hygiene. Because yeah. so long as we live life, we'll always be expanding and growing and going through different experiences that um, mean that we're constantly cleaning our window. You don't clean your window once and go, well, that's nice. That's clean. I'll leave it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your daily hygiene regimen? Something simple that people can try out. It's in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the whole last section of the book, yeah. teaching you five spiritual techniques, five energy techniques, which constitute the foundation of everything I do and everything I teach. Right. So they, they are techniques that help you be in your body, be consciously aware within your body, stimulate and awaken your pineal gland and cleanse your system and process your experiences and what you're going through. And they also teach you how to start working with energy and the, prin the principles of how you create your reality. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're simple meditation techniques, but they're very profound and... Um, really give you everything that you need to consciously drive your own reality. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. One thing I do before every show is I have a routine that really programs me, energizes me. And so I might say, all I need is within me now, all the power I need is within me now. You know, these affirmations really charge me up and all the inhibitions, fears, worries that I might or might not have, they're cleared out. The other thing I do is I visualize the earth, like going around, and I'm sending healing energy to the earth. So that yes. allows me to act as a conduit to have facilitate these conversations. And I know that no matter what I'm doing, I'm healing the earth. The other thing, though, I didn't realize that, but now that I'm a breathwork instructor, I know. I involuntarily was blowing, extending my exhales and blowing white light into the earth. But from a scientific perspective, when you extend your exhales, you're actually stimulating your vagus nerve, which allows you to really relax yourself. So if I relax, the conversation is going to be relaxing, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's 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 cool. my thing. And I found and, that. And I mean, I guess I would say my daily energy hygiene practice, I mean, really the whole principle, I guess, of psychic development is know, know yourself. That was the first okay. thing written above the temple when you entered the temple. Know right. yourself. And so it's a time when you turn within and know yourself. And that's not just about, it's yes, you know, who I am, am in my greater being, but also mm. what's going on in my energy today, you know? Is my mm. energy clear today? Right. Um, you know, do I need to be more grounded to stay in my body today? Mm. Um, it, you know, and so on. And so it's basically a daily practice of cleaning the window so that you can be clear, so that you can be healing yourself, and so you can be preparing for the um, the rest of the day. Mm. So for people who are watching right now, firstly, thanks a lot for joining us for so long. 
this is one of our longer interviews, but it's a lot of fun. So make sure that you hit the share button right away if you'd like to support us because guess what? This information needs to spread and you are in full control of how much we are able to spread this message. Hit the share button. Uh, so uh, Leslie, let's talk about the pineal gland now. What role does the pineal gland play in our ability to experience the spiritual experience, but also in our overall life? Pineal gland is the seat of consciousness within the human body. Mm -hmm. It's the seat of, it, it, it's where you can sit and be conscious as spirit within the physical system. It places you in the driver's seat. Mm. It's like the air traffic control tower of your life. So if you are sitting your consciousness in your pineal gland, you can be above all the strong, powerful pulls of the body in the physical world. So if you've got emotional trauma, anxiety, stress, if you've got a monkey mind that won't stop thinking, if you learn how to seat your consciousness in your pineal gland, you will find yourself above the emotions, you will find yourself apart from the intellect, you will find yourself with a spiritual perspective, which is neutral and non-judgmental. And you will also be able to see what now to do <laughs> you know so um this is one of the techniques in my book is is how to center we call it centering mm. so that you can have that neutrality so that you can take that position as the god of your own personal universe mm. and so in exploring the pineal gland you say that it allows us to experience various extrasensory abilities. And one of that is being able to be in touch or receive messages from galactic beings, right? So what are your uh, thoughts on that? The, the being in your pineal gland activates your clairvoyance mm. and your abstract intuition. Okay. It's in the center of your sixth chakra. And clairvoyance is the ability to see as spirit. Okay. So what can you see as spirit you could see a galactic being and communicate with the galactic being you could see your spirit guide and communicate with the spirit guide you could see jesus and communicate with him or another ascended being you could see an energy field around your cat your dog your friend your neighbor you could it also stimulates abstract intuition which is you know our human language is linear the language of the universe is multidimensional. So right. for it, it enables you to be aware of the symbolic language. And we're talking about dreams. We use symbolic language in our dreams. So when you're in the center of your head, you're able to enter into that greater dimensional or multidimensional meaning within symbols yeah. and mathematical formulae as well. So it's an amazing portal really to non-physical experience to start to activate and develop your use of your pineal gland. But yes, you could talk to galactic beings to come back to your original question. Have you, have you ever received information from any galactic being? Yeah, or, yeah. all the time. My, um, do you know the where they're from? <laughs> the main spirit guide that I work with, my main healing guide is, um, is identifies with Sirius. Sirius. And yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a play on words as well because I call him um, Get Serious so that we're no longer serious when we're working yeah. together. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> so, <No. laughs> um, but he has all this amazing light technology um, healing um well let's call it yeah light technology he works with so like i i talk to him every day um but i've also spoken to plenty of other um galactic beings as well you know there's a um, top secret cia project that has recently been declassified where they did uh they hired a a psychic being or somebody who has their psychic abilities awakened, and they asked him to go to Mars, mm -hmm. astrally. And he went to Mars, and they, yep. this entire thing is documented. He went to Mars. He went back in time also. He went back two million years, and mm -hmm. he was able to see large pyramids on Mars, yep. and he was able to navigate the entire space. So he was, you know, in in a deep state of meditation, but he was recounting exactly what is it, what he was able to see and it's yeah. fascinating like i feel that mainstream media is trying to numb people and tell them that all of this is bullshit but deep down the cia is, is doing all these research yeah right? <laughs> well if you develop your clairvoyance you can bet you can see anything you want you know the whole exactly. akashic record of the whole universe is open to you so if you yeah. want if you're curious about mars or jupiter <laughs> yeah. or you want to go to the pleiades or uh, arcturus or any of those places that it's then true. it's a, you you can access it so for those who are interested just search for cid declassified mars project mars or something along those lines um but yeah, um, I also, when I was a kid, I had this deep fascination for the three stars. I think they're the serious stars, right? The Orion's belt, me too. The Orion's <laughs> belt. So I used to just look at the stars and just stare at them because they were very, very attractive. And I still sometimes look at, look up in this universe, in the sky, and to figure out what they mean to me. Um, you spoke about centering. Mm -hmm. How is centering different from grounding? What's the difference between the two in terms of their function? Okay. So the primary form of grounding that I teach, and actually when you get into more my more advanced courses, you learn additional groundings to this, is from the first chakra to the center of the earth. Mm -hmm. Your first chakra deals with physical reality. The, you know, your relationship with the physical planet, physical matter, your physical body. And we're making a con an energetic connection between that energy center and the mm -hmm. center of the planet. Right. So why do we do that? Because it anchors you in physical reality. Your body is in physical reality. You, the spirit, can be anytime, any place, anywhere, as we've been talking about. But hey, you've made this body, may as well hang out with it. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are not really in their bodies. So we ground so that we, that enables us to bring our energy into the body. Mm -hmm. And even to be able to properly center, we need to be grounded. So it also gives us a conduit for releasing unwanted energy. So we get to use it to clean our dirty window as well. Yeah. So, so and centering is you're placing your consciousness in the center of your sixth chakra, in your third eye in your pineal gland. And so um, 
it's like I alluded to before, you're, you're sitting yourself in the driver's seat of your life. Mm. If you, if you center in the center of your head. Mm. So you're working with the first chakra to ground the sixth chakra to center. Yeah. And what does science have to say about the phenomena of grounding? Because we all get it. Um, I was at Queen Elizabeth Park yesterday with a friend of mine for sunrise, and both of us took off our, you know, socks, and we were on the ground. And it feels good. It feels great. It feels very releasing. But uh, what are your thoughts, and what have you found about what science says about grounding? Well, I don't know that there's been, and you can correct me if you know, I, I've not really researched if there are there any scientific studies on spiritual grounding, right. but scientifically speaking, every electrical appliance that you have in your house has a mm. grounding wire right. and the grounding wire prevents excess surges of electricity arcing off and giving you an electric shock. Your grounding serves the same purpose because your energy is super high vibration right mm. and so grounding makes it safe to bring that high vibration energy through the body because the body is physical matter it's a much lower vibration than you are yeah so if you if you can shock the body with your own energy and I see this all the time. People get enthusiastic about their spiritual growth and, you know, bringing all this energy in. And if they're not properly grounded, it's overwhelming and too much for the body. You can mm. burn your own circuits. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's like an electrical grounding helps you arc off excess energy and makes it safe for you to flow through your physical system and right. also prepares the physical system for you to be there um, because you know like we were talking earlier if you've collected all this other stuff that's not you yeah then you know that space isn't available for you so it helps you move off all of those densities so you can bring in more light you are light and and you're meant to be enlightened <laughs> yeah. you're meant to light up this physical system with your presence yeah. grounding right. helps you to do that and sitting in the center of your head is like switching on the light because now I'm here. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that, that definitely does make sense. And um, it's no doubt that we all know that we are, we have electric, electricity flowing through us, right? Because mm -hmm. the neurons are always firing and they're sending messages and pulses. So there's electricity. There is a sense of magnetism in our body. And yeah, so no yeah. wonder if we are these electricity conducting rods, at least in our, at our physical self, we do need to ground. And whether or not we have a tangible expla explanation for that, that is beautifully articulated. We all know that once you go on the grass, once you go on the soil or the sand, you feel great, you feel released, you feel more relaxed, and you feel much more calm. Um, so thanks a lot, uh, Leslie, for sharing all of this beautiful wisdom with us. Action Tribe, be sure watching this, whether it's on a replay or live, make sure that you share this on your on your wall in the groups so that we can spread this message far and wide and uh, get more people to watch this. I hope you've enjoyed this session so far. If there was one thing that we could take away from today's session, it would be that trusting your intuition will help you transform your life from taking better decisions to receiving information that will help you along your journey and even connecting with people 
that are on your path. But just listening to, the, to that voice is not enough. You got to act upon it. You got to take inspired action, right? Especially when you've been receiving that clear message from your higher self for a while now. So ask yourself, what is that message that my intuition has tried to pass on to me? What should I be doing or not be doing next? Because as Shakti Gawain once put, we need to be willing to let our intuition guide us and then be willing to follow that guidance directly and fearlessly. And with that being said, we've come to the last round for today. Because as you notice, the knocking is increasing <laughs> in my house. And so we got to wrap it up. Uh, so Leslie, what is that best piece of advice that you have received in your life? You don't become a spiritual teacher by sitting at home and meditating to perfect yourself as a spiritual teacher. You become a spiritual teacher by going out and teaching. And I can apply that to anything and everything. You don't become a dot, dot, dot by sitting at home and trying to perfect yourself to be a dot, dot, dot. You get out there and take action. <laughs> as a dot, dot, dot. And then you, then you become. Yeah, very true, very true. And I find that teaching more allows you to articulate the concepts in your mind. And the moment you're able to teach something, not only do they benefit because they now know some different, but you are also improving because you're able to explain that concept or that idea or that technique that is in your mind. So mm -hmm. very true. Uh, if you could turn back time, what is that? Who is that person that you would spend that one hour with, whether the person is living or dead? That's a great question. And you know, the first person that came into my mind was, um, was Jesus. He's a great spiritual master, but you know what? I had a lifetime where I spent time with him. So I guess I already have. So, um, but he's the one that popped into my, into my mind. Um, yeah. One of the great spiritual masters. Like what is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, agree that uh, Jesus was definitely an ascended master, somebody very special, somebody who had access to healing abilities, and he did a lot of, made a huge difference right, to, the, to the world. So, um, but what is it one thing that you would do in the morning or maybe in the evening before you go to sleep that has improved the quality of your life? Well, you know, it's interesting for me, I spend most of my day in a meditative state. Because I am doing reading sessions and healing sessions and I'm teaching spiritual classes all day. So a lot of people say, well, I meditate to get my day started. Well, I do meditate and clear my space before I teach and all of that. But for me, what's more important is carve out a bit of time for myself, me time, because all day I'm, I'm, I'm giving a lot in terms of the sessions that I'm doing. And, um, and I'm also in an altered state of consciousness because I'm in trance a lot of the time. So it's something hyper, hyper reality, you know, like um, go for a walk or even just sit and have a cup of tea and look at the view out my window and really, you know, or walk around the garden and really feel grounded and in touch with nature and my body mm. because... To, to do the work I do, where I work from a trance state, I'm actually tuning out the physical reality to open up and tune into the spiritual reality. So I spend many hours a day in that spiritual awareness zone. So for me, it's important at the beginning and the end of the day 
to get back to the physical world. <laughs> and if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would that be? Besides this one, AJ, <laughs> I would recommend Intuition and Chakras. And, and you know, we actually, oh, I'm trying, we actually, this, we, we didn't barely touch the surface in our conversation. Mm -hmm. This is a, it's a journey through the whole chakra system. And what's different about this book is that there's a lot written about the chakras and healing. There's not been much written about the chakras and psychic abilities. And every single one of your major chakras is a conduit for one or more psychic abilities. They're conduits for your intuition, for spiritual communications. And so if you're interested in the topic of intuition and chakras, then this is a really great book. And there is a reader's gift included with the book, which is a five-part mini video um, uh, class. Okay, so when you get to the part where you're learning the energy techniques, you can actually go and sit and watch uh, me teach you those techniques besides just reading them in the book because it's the experience of them that really helps you get it. And AJ, I've got one more thing that yeah, I sure. and I ha can, can I I've got a free thing on my website that teaches about intuition and chakras. It's a really cool interactive infographic that you hover your mouse over and it pops yeah. up a window and yeah. it will tell you, okay, second chakra, um, clairsentience is the psychic ability and that's the definition of it. I'm going to find it now and I'll pop it into the chat. But because sure. um, it's... A, I could add it in the comments yeah, in our show notes. It covers all the... It covers a lot of the ground we didn't even get to in our conversation today. So if, sure. if, if the listeners are interested in their intuitive abilities and learning more about them, then it's a free thing. It's just, it's just this really cool interactive infographic. Cool. Put it in the private chat to you. Sure. I will take down the link and I will add it in the show notes for sure. Thank uh, you. Are you on Audible already? No. Okay. <laughs> well, that's no need to worry because we'll add the link to your book in the show notes so that people can grab hold of your book. On oh, oh and the book is in Audible. Sorry, I, you said me. Um, no, the book is on Audible. Yes. The book is on Audible. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I meant. <laughs> okay. The book, the book is available on Audible. Okay. Um, Kindle, uh, through Llewellyn, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, um, and Amazon. Awesome. So, Action Tribe, if you want this book for free on Audible, there's a way that you can do that so that you can listen to the book and not read the book. You can read the book. You can get a physical copy, but if you want to listen to, to the book for free, then audible.com is offering all our listeners one free download with a free 30-day trial yeah. so that you can get to check out their amazing service. Because the truth is that listening is a new reading. And when you listen, you feel different and you're able to you know, absorb so much of information while you're in transit, while you're in the car, or maybe if you're at home. So to get your free credit, for Leslie's book, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, my7chakras.com forward slash free book. And don't wait. Get the book. Start listening. 
Leslie, thank you so much for joining us today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how can we find you online? Um, yeah. Uh, so drlesliephillips.com, D-R-L-E-S-L-E-Y-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com. I also have a Facebook group called Awaken Your Psychic Abilities. And I'm, I'm grateful for everything <laughs> in my life. You know, I, I love the life I have now. And I just look around and I feel grateful. I'm grateful for waking up every day and doing work that I love. And I, I love this stuff. I, I, it, I breathe it every moment of my existence. And so um, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for all the wonderful people that I meet along the way where we can all just be authentic with each other. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. We'll have all the links up in the show notes. Action Tribe, if for some reason you're not part of our official podcast Facebook group, then make sure that you join us because you're missing out on all the discussions and the announcements and the breathwork workshops in case you love breathwork or you want to try it out. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash T-R-I-B-E, tribe. My7 is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash tribe to join our official Facebook group. If you're on Instagram, take a screenshot off your screen and tag both of us on Instagram so that we can share your story with our community. My handle is at my7chakras, at my7chakras on Instagram. Leslie, are you active on Instagram? I am, <laughs> but not very much. Okay. And I'm, I'm probably at Dr. Leslie. At um, Dr. Leslie, okay. Probably, or at Dr. Leslie Phillips. My, um, yeah. Just search for... Uh, Dr. Leslie on Instagram, you'll find out her handle and tag both of us on your screenshots so that we can share your story. And if you have a message, feedback, or if you want to send something over to me, my address is aj at my7chakras.com. aj and my7chakras.com. So Leslie, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I think this is one of our large, longest episodes, but a lot of uh, information, a lot of wisdom was shared and I truly enjoyed this conversation. Um, so... Have a nice day, everybody, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at My7Chakras.com. That is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.